Welcome in to the Crypto Bunker Podcast with your host, Brian. And today I just want to go over a few things that have been happening in the market the past couple of days. A few different news points that I thought were worthy of talking about. And I guess the first thing is this major crash that just happened in Bitcoin and <clears throat> crypto. I think a lot of it had to do with basically that we were you know, 500% higher than we were a year ago. And people obviously made a lot of money on that. And once it started going, a lot of the institutional investors who were like, okay, I'm up 300%, I'm up 400% on my investment. Let me just sell, you know, and it got to 40K and people are like, okay, you know, I'm still up 400%. I'm going to sell into this news about China, about Bitcoin energy usage, about Elon Musk. And, uh, you know, we crashed all the way down to 29K. And I think the reason the crash was so violent and quick was liquidations. A lot of people are over leveraged in this market. Uh, They basically, you know, uh, use Bitcoin or ETH or other crypto tokens as collateral. And then they take loans out against that crypto to buy more crypto, use that as more as collateral. So once it all goes down, it's just like a cascading event where it just keeps going lower and lower. And we obviously had some pretty strong support at 29, 30K, uh, we still haven't gone back and touched those levels yet. Uh, I'm not sure that we will at this point. Um, If I had to guess, I would say we will not. But anyway, that's not really the point. I think let's first talk about the China FUD. Um, Anyone that thinks that China is actually going to ban Bitcoin mining, I just think I just think that that would be a huge mistake to assume that at this point. And I'm not saying necessarily that it would do anything crazy to Bitcoin. I mean, I think that the network would still run fine. Um, the ledger would still work. You know, the nodes are still working. Um, and the miner, the hash rate would just move to another place. Uh, there's like these mining pools where you can buy into a hash rate. You don't actually have to be in China to do it. And so those people that are dedicating their hash rate and their power to that pool would then just move their hash rate and power to a different pool. Um, So I think in the end, it's not going to affect necessarily anything with Bitcoin. It might just be a news type of event where people, you know, sell that news. But at the same time, they might they might buy that buy the news. I mean, I don't know Um, if it's bad news. You know, people are thinking it's bad. That might be like a small little crash, then people buy it up. Um, but I think it would be a political mistake for China to do this. They understand how important Bitcoin is. They were the, you know, they're basically, you know, they know what's going on with people mining in their in their country. And I think <clears throat> they actually really just, honestly, I think they do actually just want to make it safer for people. Um, people in Asia and China are more known for sort of like riskier gambling. Um, And I think that a lot of them were taking out leverage, you know, to get into these Shiba Inu, Dogecoin, you know, like crazy stuff like that. I mean, I think that if we can regulate that, that actually is a good thing. And to open it up to more institutional investors is what they're, you know, sounding like they want to do. 
Um, which like, obviously I want the average retail investor to be able to invest, but not, not, not if they're going to be like taking out insane leverage and putting it into Shiba Inu and like insane altcoins and stuff, because we saw what happened once that, once that starts to crash and these people can't cover their collateral, they just have to sell everything. And then they also just get liquidated and it, and it automatically sells everything for them. Um, and that's why you saw a lot of these DeFi coins go down 80%, 70% is because of these cascading liquidation events um, where, you know, that people are using those tokens as collateral. And even if they're not, if they're just holding a bag of these DeFi tokens and they have a loan that they need to continue to post more collateral, they're going to sell that first. That's why you see all these different coins, even coins that had nothing to do with DeFi, like Polkadot, like, you know, any of these altcoins, they all get sold off like crazy is because of this over leveraging that people are doing, um, trying to protect their collateral. So I guess the next thing to address is just the Bitcoin energy usage FUD. Um, again, I've addressed this before, but I think Bitcoin's energy usage is for a good reason, right? It's for a good cause. It's for the security of the network. It's for um, the decentralization of the network. You know, a lot of things are moving to proof of stake, but truly that's not as decentralized. Um, if you own a large portion of the coins, like the Ethereum Foundation and Vitalik and some of these founders, um, you're probably going to have more control over what the network does than Bitcoin, which is more controlled by the nodes and the people who are just operating the ledger. There's no real, um, you know, like founders or anyone that has like majority control over the coins. Um, but anyway, I think that that's why we need to keep proof of work and not go fully to proof of stake. Um, I think, you know, what Ethereum doing, what Ethereum is doing is great. But I think Bitcoin needs to continue to just try to to try to make more renewable energy uh, for mining. And that's actually what Michael Saylor and Elon Musk were just meeting about. A lot of people are mad um, at that. I'm sort of mixed feelings. I'm not really sure what to think of it. Sort of mad at first. Um, they basically met with all the North American Bitcoin miners. And, you know, that is, you know, people are upset because they don't want a separation of the Bitcoin mining network uh, or, you know, a situation where there's like mandates on Bitcoin mining or, you know, or trying to get the nodes to, you know, go towards only accepting blocks that are mined with renewable energy or something like that. So it's a little bit scary, um, but I think their intentions are good. I mean, I, I trust Michael Saylor. I don't trust Elon Musk, but I trust that <clears throat> that Saylor sort of knows what, I mean, they, they are the ones that are, who are, you know, their corporations um, operate within the, you know, guidelines of the U.S. They sort of know the inside baseball, what's going on. I think the U.S. is going to be more accepting of Bitcoin if we do do something like this um, and it's sort of going to, you know, be politically easier for them to accept it if, you know, for the left, especially if we can, um, you know, have 
mining be more renewable energy? <clears throat> So I think the next thing to talk about is just the fact that we're basically in this um, mid-cycle of the bull run right now. And I think that this crash marks that mid-cycle point. Uh, Rao Paul tweeted on May 19th, this might be useful for you. BTC now versus BTC in 2013. And you can see on the chart um, that basically... Um, you know, this crash is sort of very similar to the 2013 crash. It's similar to, you know, a 20, 2017 crash uh, as well. <clears throat> and it sort of marks this mid-cycle point for the Bitcoin bull run. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, you know, those crashes, the, the 2013 one, I think crashed 80% and then continued on. Um, obviously 2017, maybe 40%, something like that. But I think we've sort of ran up higher than we did in 2017 by a little bit. And so it makes sense that we go deeper than that. But it also makes sense that we don't go as deep as 2013 because we ran up way higher in 2013 than we did this time as well. Um, so anyway, I think that, you know, it's funny how institutions like Goldman Sachs coming out buying the dip. Uh, basically declaring Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies as an asset class after we crashed 50%, of course. They would never say that on the way down to help Bitcoin to survive the crash better. Um, they want those cheap coins. And I would not be surprised if all of this FUD is all coordinated, was all coordinated just for these institutions to buy the dip. We now see that Ray Dalio comes out and says, hey, I own Bitcoin now. I would rather own Bitcoin than bonds. Bonds are a $120 trillion market. Keep that in mind. Bitcoin is well, not even $1 trillion now. So Bitcoin is undervalued. Um, you know, basically, these institutions wanted you to, to be scared. They want you to sell your coins. They, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we even get a little bit of a Another crash and sort of shake people out again. I mean, this market is so valuable and so revolutionary and so new that, you know, these people are going to do anything that they can to shake you out, to get you to sell them your coins. So the best thing you can do is hodl and probably just live your life. I mean, if you don't have leverage or you don't have to worry about anything like that, um, there's really nothing to, to fear here. You just want to hodl it out. It's very obvious at this point that, the first of all, the institutions are here. Second of all, that this asset class is going to be here to stay. And I'm going to go over that a little bit as well. You know, like I said, these are cheap coins. I mean, the value of Bitcoin based on the amount of users and activity on chain is around 55K, according to Willy Woo. Uh, according to Stock to Flow, we are actually at the very bottom of the Stock to Flow range. And um, I think it's important to realize that Stock to Flow has been very much on point for the past few months here. Uh, in the, you know, and not only that, but you know, basically his model since 2017 has been like right on point. 
um, since like, you know, since like 2015, I guess. But we were at the bottom of his range for stock to flow. So um, I just think it's important to recognize that basically the low end of, low end of his range is 30K, and that's where we stopped. Um, the higher end right now is 120K, so keep that in mind as well. And the model price right now is 60,000. So we're at you know 37,000. The model price is saying we should be $23,000 higher than that. And I think we will catch up, you know, to his model, just like we, you know, always sort of do. Um, I think that that, you know, was peak fear in the market, that sell-off. It was basically the um, the absolute most fear you could have in a market. I think it was the same amount of fear on the fear greed index as the COVID um, crash. So when we crashed like 50% in a day. And the fear index was like 11 or something or 12, like is like very low, very, very high fear in the market, extreme fear. And that's probably that was the bottom, you know, I mean, let's just be realistic about it. Obviously there's, and the thing is about it too, and, and I'll go over this in my, my thesis of what uh, will happen here, but this is like the retail crowd is still scared. And again, we'll just go over that in a little bit. But uh, the next thing I want to talk about is CBDCs, central bank digital currencies. They're coming. Basically, the Fed has, has like announced that at this point, um, saying that they are you know, making a CBDC. Um, do I think this is good or bad for Bitcoin and, and crypto? I'm not really sure. I really hope they don't you know, mess around with DeFi and sort of these stable coins, because I think that's an important part of the crypto economy and what, you know, DeFi is able to offer to customers. I think as long as we can regulate it a little bit, um, they're probably going to, you know, be fine with it, but we'll see how that works out. Um, and speaking of DeFi, there's a huge stress test that came in on uh, that on DeFi, right? I mean, with 70% crashes in tokens, you know, 50%, 60% crash in ETH, 50% crash in uh, Bitcoin. All of these DeFi systems, as far as I know and what I've heard, are basically fine. It's actually incredible how resilient many of them are, even through these, these periods of tremendous panic. And there are good arguments to be made on why it's actually safer and more agile than traditional banking. At this point, um, you know, a lot of these things is where where these liquidity, you know, um, uh, liquidations were triggered was on these uh, DeFi protocols. So I would say that I'm more bullish on things like Aave, Maker than ever before. Uh, I think these networks have proven themselves. And I think from what we've heard from, um, you know, the people who, who work at Aave, uh, basically, that institutions are here and they're testing Ave out right now, um, and that would match sort of what Goldman Sachs has has said now about Ethereum and their leaked report that came out yesterday. And basically, you know, they they're basically saying, um, you know, that that DeFi is here to stay. Um, you know, they're saying it could overtake Bitcoin's market cap. 
Uh, they say it has a high chance of overtaking Bitcoin as a dominant store of value, calling it the Amazon of information. Given the, given the importance of real uses in determining the store of value, Ether has a high chance of overtaking Bitcoin as a dominant store of value, is what they say. Uh, the ecosystem supports smart contracts, provides a way to create new applications. Most DeFi applications are being built on the Ethereum network, and most NFTs issued are also purchased using Ether. Um, so basically the greater number of transactions, the greater number of fees, the greater number of user growth is all going to Ethereum right now in the last few months. Um, and that's why we sort of see the past, you know, 12 months, Ethereum outperforming Bitcoin as well. Um, and that's why I think that, you know, Ethereum has a, you know, has a major chance of, um, of overtaking Bitcoin. I think that that can happen, um, especially with EIP-1559 coming up where they're going to burn transaction fees. Uh, that's super bullish for Ethereum. We, we know that, you know, there's so many fees on the network right now with um, how congested and crowded it is. And that's actually bullish. I mean, I think, I know some people think it's bearish. I think it's bullish. The gas fees just show how many people are willing to use the network. And um, you know, basically right now it's a generational buying opportunity, um, you know, throwing this all into account. I mean, if I, if I had money, I mean, I I've bought, you know, I'm basically all in on this stuff. So I don't really have the capital to deploy, which is, was a mistake obviously to not, to not be ready for that. But at the same time, uh, I think if you do have capital and you're looking to get into crypto, Right now would be a perfect time to get in in a long-term position. We could obviously go lower from here, but more likely than not, we will go higher. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are still still thinking, Rob Paul, you know, saying it still looks to him like Bitcoin's going to 300K and that ETH's going to 20K. Uh, and he even says that the possibility of an overshot. Um so, I mean, I think at the end of the day, these, these institutions want you to out of these coins. And so, again, wouldn't be surprised if we go lower. Um, you know, another thing about Ethereum that I guess I should talk about is NFTs and just the NFT economy that's, uh, f that's forming. I mean, the Dallas Mavericks are probably looking to issue some uh, tickets on the NFTs, uh, you know, through NFTs. I think they're they're talking about using Polygon, integrating Matic with, and, and it seems like everyone's integrating Matic right now uh, because of the cheap fees. So there's going to be professional sports teams who use this stuff. Um, there's going to be tokenization of everything on Ethereum. I mean, think about a company like Starbucks who says, if you own this token, you know, there's different levels of tokens. If you own the top tier token, you, you know, have access to to, um, you know, any store lounge area or something that you have like a free drink every week or whatever. Like, so there's just all these different things and subscription models say to Netflix or something, right? Like, um, we'll all be tokenized. And if you own that token and you hook up your MetaMask wallet to the application like Netflix and you show that you own that token, you have more features than someone else or, you know, you have a say, I mean, say you, you can make a founder's token, right? So you could have a hundred Netflix founder's tokens. 
And if you own a piece of that, you have the ability to talk to an executive once a year about what you think about Netflix and how it should be run. Um, and, you know, that's super bullish for Ethereum because a lot, you know, people know basically Ethereum has the highest security on all this, even though it has the highest fees. Once they scale out, it's actually going to be less fees for this type of um, venture. So, again, people will be able to own tokens and be a partial founder of a, of a team. And the cool thing as well about tokens is if there's 100 founder tokens, you can own 0.0001 of that token and you, you know, have that certain amount of say on certain votes that go into, you know, the, um, the network. And if you want to vote on whether Netflix is going to do this or this, and you have a certain portion of token or however it works, sort of proof of stake model. So there's just different things that companies are going to do with these tokens. And I think, again, this is very bullish for Ethereum. So basically, I just wanted to get into sort of um, my thesis of what I think is going to happen uh, in the market. So th this is where I believe the, is the period where retail is still scared, me, <laughs> institutions know that crypto is crazy undervalued, even after a 30% rise from the bottom. Retail will probably hold off because they're a little bit shaky. They're a little bit scared still. There's still a little bit of FUD here, a little bit of FUD there. Even though Goldman has come in and basically told you guys that was the bottom, we bought the bottom, but people are still shaken. They're literally shaken. And I am seeing sentiment Within all of these tweets, you look at the most popular people on Twitter, Elio Trades, MM Crypto, um, you know, BitBoy Crypto, Altcoin Daily, all these guys, you look in their comments. That's how you read the sentiment of the market, because that's where retail is going, is to comment on these people's things. So if you look at the retail sentiment right now, it is very bearish. People think we're going down to 20K. They think we're in a bear market. You know, people are scared to death right now. And so, again, they're probably just uh, not buying in right now. And they're they're waiting for a lower price. And that's sort of the theme of when Bitcoin usually can sort of bottom out. It happened when we, um, you know, when we were around 9,500, 9, 9,000, 10K, for a long time, we grinded sideways for a while. We had a few little crashes. We'd go back up to 9,500 again. I mean, we went, we were around there for months, like a year ago and like, you know, the whole summer. People kept saying, we're going to go down to 7,000. We're going down to 6,000. It never happened. So I just wanted to say that I think you can sort of read the sentiment of what people are thinking. Um, even the people who are the biggest bulls, like Elio Trades, was saying yesterday, um, you know, he thinks we're going, we're have, we're sniffing lower lows here. Um, so I just thought that was interesting, and it's possible. I'm not saying it's not possible, but again, my thesis would be, retail will probably hold off until they FOMO in at like 48k, then we correct back to like 38k, and then we blast to 100, and then we crash back to 64. And then we grind sideways and then we have a blow off top to 200K end of year, something like that. This is sort of the V-shaped recovery take, although I feel like most people are calling for the accumulation period. I just don't see that being possible. It's too perfect for institutions right now with the fear sort of lingering for a week or two at the least. 
And I think it's a perfect time for us to sort of be shaky. Uh, we might go up and down, but I don't think we make lower lows. I think there's too much accumulation happening. So yeah, again, um, appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, you know, if you want to give the, the, the video a like here, I'd really appreciate it. Subscribe. Again, I know this is a little bit unprofessional right now, but I'm going to, you know, continue to try to build this and just throw my thoughts out there for now. And again, thanks for listening.